All right. Uh, tell us about who you are and where you got started. So my name is Brian Davila. I am a high school dropout from Las Vegas. Ooh. I like it. All right. So what I want to talk to you about is what is like uh, your biggest mistake that you've ever made in your real estate career specifically? Uh, I mean, biggest mistake. I made a lot of mistakes. So I would say one of the biggest mistakes that I have done is I got caught up in something that was trending. So Airbnb was trending uh, in two, 2020, 2021. And um, I bought a bunch of properties at market value, which was another mistake. And then uh, the market shifted and I ended up losing a few hundred thousand dollars from buying properties at market value to follow a trend that ended up ending. Mm. All right, what was the best decision you've ever made in real estate? The best decision that I ever made in real estate for me was quitting my job and going all in because I've coached a lot of beginner investors and a lot of them don't make the leap. So they never know. They, they never, you, you'll never know what could have happened. Mm. All right. Now this is the personal one. Uh, this is going to be real personal. Zoom in on me there. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your current net worth? Mm, it's it's a few million dollars for sure. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's dropped a lot after the market shifted, mm. but I would say it's between two to three million dollars conservatively. Okay. And then how did you make your first million dollars? And like, do you think that that was, well, let's answer that one first. How did you make your first million dollars? My first million dollars I made as like a realtor and then flipper. Yeah. Okay. And so how much was real being a realtor and how much was a flipper? Because a lot of people think that those are very similar yeah. things and they're obviously very different. So how much of it was being a realtor yeah. and how much was being a flipper? My first million. So I'm not talking about million dollars a year. I'm just saying my first million dollars was, I would say like 90 to 80% realtor and then 20 flipper. Wow. Okay. And then uh, what do you think was like uh, the difference between your first million and then making the second, third, like uh, what was the biggest difference? Uh, the biggest difference is I, I switched strategies. So I went from being a realtor to flipper. So the next million was a lot faster. Okay. And what do you suggest that other people do? Do you think it's good to be an agent and a flipper or do you think it's better to choose one or the other or like continue to stay in both? Cause I, I just hear so many different advice from different people. So what do you yeah. think is the best? For me personally, I don't enjoy being a realtor. So I didn't, I just gave up being a realtor, but I think you can make a lot of money as a realtor. And then if you have a real estate license, you save money on your flips and you get access to the MLS. So if you could stand being a realtor, I think it's good to do both. Okay, this is, a, this is one that I feel like, so whenever we're talking about millions of dollars, I feel like a lot of people cannot relate. And yeah. so it's like kind of hard for them to be like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, go make a million dollars here, right? It's very difficult for people to comprehend that they're gonna make a million dollars. So how would people make their first hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars? Um, if I were, uh, to try to make my first hundred thousand dollars today, what I would probably do is just look for deals and then I would figure out if I want to wholesale them 
or if I'm willing to wait longer and then try to partner on a flip. So have someone put up all the money, I get paid once it resells, but it, it's gonna vary depending on how much money I'll make on a flip versus a wholesale. So if I'm gonna make 10 on a flip, but I can make five on a wholesale, I'll take the five. But if I can make 10 on a wholesale and 40 on a flip, I'd rather just wait for the flip. Mm-hmm. All right, last couple questions. Uh, one is, let's talk about scaling now. So you talk about first hundred thousand million dollars. You did that mostly by yourself, yeah. it sounds yeah. like. Okay, so who was your first hire, and uh, who do you suggest other people would be their first hire? Yeah. So for me, my first hire was a TC. Um, that means transaction coordinator. So what they pretty much did is, once I got a contract, they helped facilitate everything with escrow and listings and all that stuff. And most people think that you have to hire an assistant, but you could hire a, a TC that got that gets paid per transaction after it closes. Okay, and then uh, who was your worst hire? Like the worst hire you ever made? Worst hire? I've hired a lot of bad people, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who was the worst. Okay. Tell us about how you could hire better yeah. uh, than like whenever you are hiring. Like who who was some bad ones? Why was it bad? And then how could the people do it better? Okay. So I hired a, a couple um, to do acquisitions. And the problem was the wife was just terrible at acquisitions. The husband was like decent. But then I had to deal with both of them. Mm-hmm. And then they would have issues and then I would be like dealing with their personal issues like during work hours. And then like it ended up like they were with me for like six months and then before I knew it, they only closed like one deal or two deals in six months. But like I was hanging out with them, they were cool, they were friends, they were like a young couple like me and my wife, so everything was all great. But then when I actually looked at the numbers, I was like, okay, like this is a complete waste of time. And But then I, I didn't wanna let them go because we were friends. So I ended up taking like way longer than it should have to get rid of them. Mm. Okay, and then who, so your first hire was a transaction coordinator. Uh, that I'm assuming that was when you were a real estate agent? Yep. Okay. Who do you suggest as an investor their first hire should be? Because I think a lot of people, especially in wealthy investor and stuff, always ask us, who's my first hire? Who's my first hire? Yeah. I've heard different advice. Some people say, okay, you should uh, you know, hire the person that's the opposite of you. You should bring on this yeah. person. What do you think is the best first hire for anybody? Uh, it's always going to depend on them but i always think you should hire the role that you're worst at um or for example let's say you're good at acquisitions you could hire a follow-up specialist or someone to look for more leads to give to you to close because that will make you more money Mm -hmm. so rather you can go what's going to make you more money or um what are you bad at that's taking up a lot of your time. So that way you could focus your time on what you're good at. Yep, I love that. I think that's good advice. Cause yeah, you could either double down on what you're good at, find other systems, which is exactly what you did with your transaction coordinator. You're like, okay, I'm good at real estate. Here's all this other stuff that if I wasn't able to do this, I could do more of what I'm good at. So that's one advice. The other would be go the exact opposite of things that you're not good at and then hire that part out. So yeah, I love that. Cause I always hear the one of hiring what you're not good at, but I'm like, man, we hired an acquisitions guy. And that was what I was already good at, but it just amplified because yeah. I was able to translate that skill over to him. And then he's now just doing that full time all the time. And it brought our business to another level. 
What is it like working with Mr. Ryan Pineda? It's it's a lot of fun. Um, there is a lot of um, you see the back end of what it takes to truly be at his level, and what it takes is almost like you have to be crazy optimistic. You have to be insanely disciplined where people don't even notice how hard you work because you're just working, if that makes sense. Like Ryan reads the Bible every day. He works out every day. He eats clean every day. He's very disciplined when it's time here. He's good with his kids. He goes to church on Sundays. He like does everything and it makes it look so easy. So you definitely realize like, okay, there's literally no excuse why anyone can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, He also like doesn't complain. Mm -hmm. So even me today, I'm like, oh, I'm tired, I'm this, I'm that. Like you never hear him complain. He just, he's like a robot. He just does everything so disciplined that you just, you almost feel ashamed when you're like, I don't have time to do this. But then you look at what he's doing and you're like, damn, I'm just making excuses. So, yeah. Love it. Have you met someone like that yet or no? Are you like that? I would say I'm very much exactly how you described is exactly how I'd say that I am. All right. So how do you deal with all of the different emotions that you have to go through um, in business? Like, do you find yourself like getting better at dealing with it or how do you, how do you handle all of it? You know, you got wife, you got kids, you have a business, you have like a team, you have so many people who's like counting on you to do what you need to do. Like, what do you do every day? Like what, what are different things that you do in order to like keep yourself sane? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I do nothing. <laughs> All right, that's going to be great. Issues. <laughs> There's got to be something that you do. Like for what? Like, so how do you handle it then? How would you say that you handle all of the stress, all of the different emotions, all of the different stuff? Like, how do you feel like you handle it? I don't handle it. I just you, obvi- you do though. It's just like how do you do it? Because uh-huh. like you do it no matter what, whether you do it poorly or whether you do it. I do great. it poorly for sure. Okay, what are ways you do it poorly, and how are you able to still keep going and be so positive then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll say this. So when I was younger, I realized that if you want to be good at something, you have to endure pain. Mm-hmm. So I remember. I wanted to get good at running. So I would run and it would freaking hurt. I would run and run and run until I got hurt. Then I wanted to get super in shape. And then I was like, okay, I could like completely cut out carbs and sugar and all this crap. And it didn't feel good, but I like, you know, would sustain the pain, right? And then when you get into business, you realize that there's stress and, you know, as you become more successful, there's more stress. So you just learn like, okay, this I'm headed in the, the right direction. So instead of avoiding stress, I just accept it that this is part of the process. So yeah. I guess the only thing is just up, uh, accepting that to be successful in anything, there's going to be a lot of stress that comes with it. Yeah. I was saying the coolest part is like your capacity is obviously expanded over time. So you talk about, you know, the working out, the all this other stuff, like your capacity is now growing. And so if you went backwards to where it was now easier, you would actually deal with it a whole lot better. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I also do something that I hire uh, coaches um, and usually like there'll be coaches specific to 
real estate, but also I pick their brain on mindset. And then I, I have hired a therapist before. I've hired a, I've hired uh, I, I have an emotional coach that I spoke to, but more recently, what has helped me out the most is just going to church and like really putting my beliefs in Jesus and understanding that, you know, fear and all these things and anxiety doesn't come from God. So when I'm feeling, I will say anxiety, I just know that it's not coming from God and that makes it feel better. You still feel stress as a Christian, but I usually understand like, okay, like, we're at a huge event right now. I know that this stress is only temporary. Mm-hmm. It's only going to last for three or four days and then it goes away. So I just, you know, understand that all of this overwhelming stress is temporary. Yep. That's awesome. Cause that's literally what I was going to say is I remember hearing Ryan talk about it once and it's helped me deal with stress a lot of times of just like, okay, when I really think about this thing that's going on right now and I'm freaking out when I go to the end of my life and then I think about like me dying at the end of the day, is it yeah. really going to matter? Like I'm no, I'm going to be with Jesus. And so at the end of the day, like that gives me a lot of peace. So just going into the future um, is very helpful of like, man, in the future, this is not going to be that bad. Um, no matter how big the problem is in the future, I mean, eventually we're going to die. So that's really far into the future and it's not going to be that bad. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't even need to go to that far in the future. It's like, okay, in a week from now, am I going to care about this? Okay. In a week from now, will I still be at this level of stress? Probably yeah. not. Right. Cause you, it's almost like if you crash your car today, are you still going to be mad about it 30 days from now? Probably not. Right. That'd be <laughs> insane. If you were still super mad about crashing your car 30 days from now, you you would uh, be insane. Right. You could look at the same thing with maybe even divorce or childhood trauma or whatever the case may be. Like, yeah, it's going to be bad, but through time it will slowly get better. Yeah, so here's the thing is like, you know, most people do hold resentment and they hold it for a very, very, very long time. You talk about people who are 40 who, who still talk about, you know, how they got screwed when they're 20. So some people do hold that resentment yeah, for a very long time. Right. But not the stress of it. Well, I think that whenever you think of that memory, it causes the stress. Whenever you continue to like uh, think about it, it brings the stress back up. When I don't know if you've ever imagined yourself or went back in time when you remember something that happened, mm-hmm. but you feel the same emotions that you feel. If you go back to that moment and you go back, you'll feel the fear. You'll feel the adrenaline. Your body does not know the difference between what's actually happening in reality when you're thinking about something. Yeah. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> that was awesome. That was fun.